when the music starts. You are listening to Any Given Sunday Australia. Yes, hello and welcome to the Any Given Sunday Australia podcast, the number one podcast in three households, one studio and the Gridiron Australia headquarters. Joining us as always, down in his basement in the unknown place we don't bring up anymore, Mr. <laughs> TC24 himself at Tim Carty, AGSAU. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, mate. It's a oh, little carrot. People can go back and listen to the earlier episodes. That <laughs> yeah, they want to find that's out. it. That's it. Content, <laughs> it's all back there. You will find out where he is. Our junior boy turns senior boy at Danny Webb AGS. Are you? How are you, mate? Oh, good as always, mate. Just always happy to be here. Right. Beautiful, beautiful. And joining us is a man who knows a thing or two about fitness. He's the senior coach for <laughs> Athletes Authority. He's also Gridiron Australia's combine athlete tester and the co-host of the Athlete Authority podcast, Mr. Geordie Taylor. How are you, mate? No, what a what a what an intro! The music to the to the boys—it's unreal. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, one of those shirts looked pretty good. The old Any Given Sunday. So feel free to flick those through, and I'll throw up in the background. Absolutely. Mate. When we uh, we will see you down in Melbourne. I'm presuming. Yeah. Uh, no, Melbourne. You won't catch me. Oh. We actually have an event for a couple of days, so that is the only one that I'm actually missing out on. You will see uh, Adzi, who's our uh, sports science head of sports science here. He's also jumping on board. Um, with us to, to do the GA stuff. So uh, he's an extra small. He's actually a sports scientist. So if you've got an extra small floating around, uh, look at Adzi's way. Uh, we've got a small. He can wear it as a jumper if he needs to. But uh, yeah. shout <laughs> out to Adzi. I know oh, he is a big uh, fan of the podcast. So we'll shout out to him. Uh, you, yeah, Adzi, I'm presuming. Adzi's a great man. He is. He is. We look forward to meeting Adzi and uh, he will flick you a shirt. So don't stress. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. But no, guys, thanks for having me. The intro is unreal um, and looking forward to chatting. Absolutely, mate. I know you uh, you are also a big fan of the podcast, so the boys hate me doing this, but I like to do it just to get a bit of a mindset into who you are before we get to chat and a bit of an icebreaker. Just uh, three people that you would have, dead or alive, you know, any time in history that you would have at a dinner party. So I didn't know whether they're going to be dead or alive. So I'm just going to pr- presume everyone's alive at this dinner table. Yeah, um, as of this probably better, point in time. Better conversation anyway. <laughs> um, so I've gone I've gone three, uh, as as requested. Uh, Mav Carter. I don't know you guys know Mav, Mav Carter is. He's LeBron James's businessman. Um, so he's essentially the business behind LeBron. Um, there's a book called LeBron Inc. Um, written by, I forget his name. But the guy that does all the tweets breaks all the announcements in in NBA. Uh, Wojnarowski or, or however you say. Oh his name. yeah, Wojnarowski. Thank you. That's it. Um, cracking book. But yeah, Mav Carter. He's a bit of a the guy that sort of lurks in the shadows, but does all the deals in the background. So I find him um, very interesting. Um, so that'd be guest number one. Uh, guest number two would be, even though I'm probably not going to say anything because he'd be talking the whole time, would be Gary V. Um, oh. Just again. <laughs> absolute genius um the way that he operates is is on another planet so just to be around him i think the osmosis would probably kick in after a while um and then the third would be my girlfriend mia because if i didn't invite her um i wouldn't have a place to come home to (laughs) very smart man yeah yeah the smartest response we've had yeah we had a lot of mums and dads but uh the girlfriend's a good one yeah well well thought out um mum and dad will always look after me um she may not yeah. <laughs> she chooses to be with you where your mum and dad don't really have a choice. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, that'd be the three. 
Yeah, no, nah, I like that. Gary Vee's a good one too. Just like you said, you'd be sitting there in awe just listening to what all the stories that he does have. I did toss it up because, as I said, I don't know how much he'd actually get to talk because it'd probably <laughs> be him the whole time, but That's it'd fine. be interesting nonetheless. <laughs> Absolutely. So Athletes Authority is, like we said, the company that's going to be doing all the testing at, at every uh, combine throughout Australia, uh, which we're going to touch on about that. But what is Athletes Authority and, and how did you get involved? Yeah, so in short, Athletes Authority is a performance, um, I guess, facility, centre, whatever you want to call it, uh, dedicated to athletes. So an athlete is on our, you know, our record, anyone who, who plays sport. So that could be 11 years old all the way through to a professional. There could be division three along the way, but really anyone that wants to be better at their sport. So whether you want to go from div three to div two, um, you know, A grade or shoot shield to professional rugby uh, union, whatever it may be, um, that sort of, I guess, quote unquote, falls in our, what is an athlete? Because that's usually one of the biggest questions we get is, what defines an athlete? And before I arrived, I knew that the boys sort of went through around, oh, everyone's an athlete. Probably not the case. Uh, I had a crack at running yesterday and I'll tell you right now, I'm no longer an athlete <laughs> at all. Um, so there is a small criteria, although it is small and I guess somewhat basic, it does really set up the standard that we want to achieve when we're dealing with the athletes that are in the facility. Um, and the best way to think of how it is all run is essentially like a college um, facility. You have a coach on the floor, an assistant coach, uh, a physio as well, which is a bit unique, uh, I guess, in in Australia especially. Um, and then everyone's running through their own program uh, in a group setting. So while, you know, Tim, you may have a different program to me, uh, we're still in the same environment. We're still going to push each other. And there may be crossover because if you look at any um, sporting program, there's going to be more crossovers than differences. Um, but then at the end, you know, we may do something a little bit different. But Let's say we're squatting, we're both squatting together, we're having a red-hot crack and trying to push some PBs, coach each other, um, all those sorts of things. Um, that's a very broad overview around the facility side. Um, to, the, to the left of that is also Athletes Authority Education, which um, hosts, I guess, a, a few things that sit under that. We have a, a couple of mentorships um, in regards to business from Carl, who's one of the co-founders, uh, or he actually is the founder, I should say co-owner. Um, he does his business mentorship. We have an ACL mentorship with one of our head of rehabs looks after that. Uh, Lockie, who is the other co-owner, who has an extensive uh, background in pro sport through GWS Giants, Parramatta Eels. He's currently at the New South Wales Swifts in the netball. Um, he has a mentorship there called the Performance Department, which is more around the coaching side of things. Um, and then we host a, a wide variety of courses, um, et cetera, that sort of sit under that as well, including a Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. So... Uh, there's a bit going on, um, but hopefully that was a bit of a short, sharp, straight to the point uh, clarification. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how do people like actually get involved in this? Yeah, so to be fair, we are very lucky in regards to that we have a very strong word of mouth referral. Um, I think if any business has that, they're always going to be doing pretty good. Um, so A, word of mouth referral has, has always been a really strong selling point for us. Second to that, um, we are quite... I guess, prevalent on social media um, through a variety of channels. So athletes do often find us through that, whether someone shared that to them or they've been following for a long period of time. Um, so we do have a little bit of thought that goes into our marketing, both organic and paid, um, which also is a pretty, um, I guess, yeah, strong referral network again for us to, to gain new athletes. We also have an affiliation with several local clubs. Um, so the athletes typically, unfortunately, will come through that more so in the rehab side you know they've been hurt in in a game and 
you know, they may be in for a short-term rehab, which we which we call three months, or up to a long-term rehab being up to a year. So, yeah, that, there are a few of the channels, and I'm sure there's multiple other ways that they, they will find us as well. And let's go a little bit deeper. Like, what is the sort of training and stuff that you do offer? Yeah, so the best way I think of it is athlete development. Um, so that's built on training principles. Um, everyone here that, that works here, whether they're a coach or a physio, has, has tertiary education. So they've been, they've been through university, um, typically done sports science. Um, most people, <laughs> except for myself, have done a master's, um, whether that be in uh, S&C or a high-performance sport um, or, or a master's of physiotherapy. So there is that, I guess, standard level of knowledge uh, and educational background that all of our staff have um, and then second to that there's obviously also um, organizations governing bodies which were affiliated to um, the Australian Strength Conditioning Association known as ASCA um, the physio obviously have their own association as well which I'm not prevalent to so I won't speak to but all these sort of organizations that we sort of sit under so that's like I guess a base level of education and knowledge that you get number one um, and then on top of that we have our training principles that that we follow um, and our own systems that we've developed over time, when I say we, not me, really, Lockie um, is the real driver of that, that we implement with the athletes that we have to make it, um, most importantly, an enjoyable environment. But obviously, second to that, we obviously want athletes to get good results. Um, and so that's where it's targeted to achieving those results based on where the athlete currently is and what they want to achieve um, in their sport. And the cool thing about it is most of the athletes know it's not a short-term fix. So it's not like a 12-week challenge or anything like that. It is something that is going to take some time. Um, and that's something that we like to let athletes know from the onset is athlete development doesn't happen overnight. If it did, we'd all be athletes. We'd all be in the NFL, NBA, wherever it is. Um, but we're not, unfortunately. We're here. Um, so it is. we make sure athletes initially will do a 12-month commitment because that's what we want to see from them. If they give us 12 months, we know that in 12 months we can you know, quite comfortably um, achieve the goals that they need to achieve both physically, mentally, and, and whatever else it may be as well. Which sounds like an incredible opportunity mm. for so many people as well. Quick, and sorry, Danny, quick, I was going to oh, say, yeah. quick shout out. Uh, our good mate, Maxi, uh, <clears throat> came in and did some, do you guys, would you sort of, I'm not sure what you class it, but maybe some like preliminary testing. Um, he, uh, he's come in and he's been at your gym in Melbourne. He did some testing with you guys. I think it was a bit earlier this year. So Yeah, no, so um, really good point, actually. So when an athlete reaches out to us, um, we run through what we call our, our game plan or our performance testing. So essentially an athlete will come through, we'll go through a variety of uh, testing batteries the, and I'll, I'll sort of run through them just nice and, and basic, but essentially um, we use our vol performance uh, kit being a real driver of that, which we'll probably touch on later because um, they're obviously helping us out with the combine as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll essentially see how an athlete moves. Um, you know, is there any crazy imbalances or anything we need to be aware of? And that's with what we call our human track which is a 3D motion capture technology. Um, it sounds very fancy, but it, it's quite basic really because essentially it just gives us some nice shapes and angles that an athlete or a parent could understand versus us trying to use technical jargon that will probably go over people's heads. So it's a really good visual starting point. From there, we take them onto the force decks, um, which are force plates, um, which essentially will measure a couple of things on there. One, their maximal strength through an, a, an isometric mid-thigh pull. Um, their ability to produce force in the lower body, both muscular and tendon based. So that'd be a squat jump and a counter movement jump. Um, then we go and do some more jump testing, broad jump hops and things like that to assess their horizontal uh, force capabilities. And then some more specialized isol isolated sort of tests, such as a Nord board for eccentric hamstring strength, groin bar for uh, hip ad and abduction, 
uh, and then a, a bit of a, a fitness or aerobic test on the bike at the end to finish it off. So it is quite comprehensive, but what that gives us is a really good picture around where an athlete, I guess, uh, is their starting point. Um, any areas of opportunity that they may be aware of or also may not be aware of, we call those obviously like blind spots. And then also we can really identify their strengths and double down on those as well, because I think quite often uh, a lot of coaches will look at an athlete and go, okay, well, they really need to work on this, this, and this. So that's where they, they hang their hat on that versus, well, they're bloody good at this, this, and this. So let's double down on that, but also work on their weaknesses along as we sort of go. So a bit of an overview on that one. And then, as I mentioned before, shout out to Adzi again. He collates all that. Um, we've got, uh, he'd be able to tell you, but a lot of data points now too, where let's say, Danny, you're a, a netballer. For example, yeah, we can on. put. He's a gun wing attack. <laughs> actually, actually, I was goal attack. I've got a. I've got a oh. <laughs> Miss netball. Yeah, proud yeah. of that one. You get a little bit more uh, movement in the court there too. Yeah. But we, we can compare you to netballers, um, male. Uh, and how old are you, Danny? Twenty-eight. Jeez, you're in good nick, mate. Um, so probably twenty-five yeah, plus <laughs> would be the, the way we look at it. And so we can compare you to athletes that are similar, whether that be age, sport, position and start to identify what we call like norms or, or normative data, which is where you know, the average person in that sport, in that position at that age would sit. And then we can compare you. So that takes obviously a lot of data points to do that. Uh, and as I said, Adzi's a, a freak and is be able to create and map all that out. And then at the end of that, you get a report and it essentially will tell you where you sit and then go through everything we sort of mentioned there. Awesome. It's so comprehensive. Um, I, I remember yeah. him saying, yeah, like he was in there doing the testing for a while and then I didn't, I need to follow up with him about his report and see, uh, see what the results were that he got. But um, yeah, I think he was just going and doing that early, early level sort of preliminary stuff um, for him, like with his footy and just his sort of gym training that he does. Um, but yeah, as we've mentioned, like you, you guys are getting involved with the, the high school combines coming up with dates uh, the 3rd, 14th of July. Uh, had to get that out. Uh, so what's essentially, what's going to be your role um, for you guys there at each of those dates on the combine? Yeah, as I mentioned, I'm doing Hawthorne by the Melbourne one, so unreal. <laughs> but, but essentially, yeah, trying to coordinate um, a all the, all the bodies and all the people um, that are going to be helping us. And on that point there as well, if there is anyone that's listening that would like to be a part of it, um, please feel free to reach out um, to AA or myself or, or anyone you guys can probably drop in the show notes um, that would like to, to come and, and help out because more hands are better. Um, I think the biggest thing that we don't know yet, and I think Wade spoke about this the other day, is we just don't know the numbers. So yeah. that will really determine on, on how each day's run, which is, I guess, exciting and also daunting at the same time. 300 versus 30, things like that. But um, yeah, essentially my role is to look after how the day's run uh, at each particular state, make sure that all the, the testing is, is run well to a standard. Um, and then the athletes just have a bloody good time. I think we we did the Sydney one last year when it was essentially just the Jesse Williams uh, camps. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a really, really good day. We, we got all the conditions thrown at us. It was boiling hot, then pissing down rain, and then boiling hot, and then pissing down rain again. So that was a really good one to be thrown in the deep end. Um, and I think we had about 120 athletes to that one. So that was probably a really good learning point for, for Adzi and I, uh, as well as the rest of the crew that went down there. But yeah, essentially that... So we'll do all the front end of the way that the tests are A, conducted, B, recorded, and then I guess C, the delivery of the reports as well. Um, and then, yeah, this, I guess the goal is to really have a solid standard. So when athletes come to these camps, they know that they're going to get looked after, number one. The testing data is actually applicable. 
Um, and then third, they can actually walk away, maybe not straight away, but when they get their report with some tangible information around, okay, this is what I'm really good at. This is something I need to improve on. This is how I can, I can do that. Um, so that's our goal from that standpoint. And we really do want to be a part of this from the ground up. And that's why we've, we've thrown our hand up to really jump in on this, to really um, set the standard that I know Wade and, and GA want. Um, and they're doing a fantastic job and they just need some extra hands to, to make it happen. So hopefully we can do that this year and, and into the future as well. Yeah, we were speaking to Russell Hewitt the other day and he was saying that the testing is actually going to be comparable to the same way as if you're going into the NFL draft as well, which I think for all these young athletes, especially the aspiring ones that want to make it to the States, huge information for them to have personally to be able to like, you know, compare themselves to future stars. Mate, 100%. And I think the best way to look at it is, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I've got probably two schools of thought on this. Um, and I've, I've labeled it a bit of a hybrid NFL combine testing. Um, and the reason I've called it hybrid is, the NFL Combine, the reason exactly what you mentioned just there, Danny, is that it's historic data. So whether you were mm. testing back in the 80s to now, you can compare yourself to athletes the whole way through. Is it the most comprehensive testing protocols that gives you the full picture of an athlete's you know, um, performance profile? Definitely not. So that's why I've sort of called it like the hybrid testing because we've got about 80% of it that does cross over to the NFL Combine testing. And then about 20% of it that is just slightly different, but a little bit more quote unquote modern that actually gives us a more holistic overview of what an athlete's uh, ability is. Um, because again, if, if it's a college or, or a high school or whoever it is, that is actually interested in these athletes. You want to provide the full profile. Um, there was a, a company I used to work with back home that we would send soccer players over to college was part of it. Golfers as well. But, for us to actually provide a physical profile on the athletes. So when they rocked up at Stanford or when they rocked up at UCLA, they weren't completely out of their depth. The, the, the coaching staff, especially from the performance side, knew what they were getting as an athlete. It's not just a complete raw blank slate. Um, speaking to some athletes that have been over to the States, they go over there and they are just intimidated because these guys and girls have been training since grade four <laughs> and like they they look at weights and they get bigger they're stronger they're fitter they're hmm. faster and straight away if you roll over to college um and that's the first thing you see i don't care what anyone says you're gonna feel like you're on the back foot straight away so and then the coaching staff are probably going to feel a bit similar as well so having that full picture is really 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 important um so when athletes given the opportunity get a chance to go over to the states they actually are physically prepared um, and they're just not as shocked as what I've he heard of a lot of them be. Um, so, yeah. And how do we as Australians stack up to the to the Americans in this? Mate, it's, it's a good question. Like, let's be honest. We, don't, we, we, we just don't have the population versus America. And I think if you listen to anyone that has either been in college or, or played professional sports in America, it, it is a different mentality. Um, it's the, if you're not broken... It's the next person up and the next person up is probably just as good, if not better than the person that's there. Um, and there's just lines and lines and lines of athletes that are ready to, to take that spot. Um, I think a couple of things too, and I can't remember who I was speaking to about this, but it is one of our podcast episodes. I'm not trying to plug that. I just completely forgot <laughs> what it was. I thought it might come to me. Um, but the, the, like the social, uh, like economic and climate, like we're quite comfortable here in Australia. If we, let's say we are on the, you know, the lowest end of the bracket, we get looked after by the government. You know, there is things that sort of, we're always comfortable. 
versus the states if you're on the quote-unquote poor side of that spectrum you've got to do whatever you can to get out of that um, and it creates a different mentality and that happens as young as like as i mentioned grade four versus here you know you're going to get a little bit better looked after and it's just different environments that you just can't compare the two together um, and i did pull some stats because I, I i did want to sort of touch on this like high school to college um, in the states you got a 9.4 percent chance of of going to college now that's just college which is essentially a one in 11 um then you go high school to d1 is a three percent which is one in 33 and then college to the pros you're at a 1.6 percent chance so just statistically speaking for an athlete from australia who has you know not a whole lot of tactical um ability to read the game it is bloody hard to to have a crack at that and I think this is really important. Like, it's just the reality, right? Like, kids need to know that you you don't want to kill someone's dream, but you also want to be realistic and say, like, you know, this is these kids have been playing this since the moment they could run, <laughs> walk. So don't go over there naive thinking you're gonna kill it. Hmm. Be realistic a little bit. Um, and I think the other thing too that outside of just the sporting prowess and the abilities and, and the goals and things you can achieve on that, the ability to go to the states and get a degree free of charge, especially right now with the hex debt repayments going up to whatever they've gone up to astronomically that in itself is a bloody good achievement um one of my good friends just recently came back from college degree under his belt free of charge got hmm. to travel the us got to play um rugby union over there got to see things that you know he'd never be able to see in australia and he come back and he's 23 i think 22 and he's still got a whole you know essentially career ahead of him playing somewhat good level of footy back over here as well so whether you go there and you make the NFL or make whatever professional sport you want to do, or you simply come back to Australia with a whole new life experience under your belt, education, and all these other things as well. I think that's probably a really important thing that a lot of kids don't think about. Um, yeah. But long-term is bloody amazing to have that experience and I guess the ability to come back you know, debt-free as such. We've been lucky enough to speak to a lot of college athletes and I think the general vibe is that they are pretty grateful of the the learning side that they do get as well. But uh, we we do have athletes in Australia. So, you know, whether it be rugby league or, or, you know, AFL, basketball, is there any that you can see that transfer well in regards to testing over to the, to the NFL and the flag football? Look, I know that he's had his uh, indiscretions off the field, but I think what Jared Hayne did was pretty incredible um, and really opened a lot of people's eyes to the the that someone from Australia can go and do that. Um, I know it didn't work out like long-term, but in those preseason games, I still go back and watch them when I'm bored sometimes, was absolutely amazing what he did um, to be able to go over there. And I think the, the best thing, I think even referring back to that is, Hayne was a physical specimen in Australia. Yeah. I think, we, do you all remember the photo of him with the, the um, 49ers when he had his kid off? He looked like a baby. Yeah, yeah. They were yes. all jacked up, eight packs, whatever else. And he was, yeah. And he was one of the, like, arguably the best athlete in Australia at the time. So it is just a different level. It is a different level. But I sort of wrote down a few names um, here that I just thought of just before. I think my background is rugby league, so I can probably speak to that better than some other sports. But you look at, like, Jason Saab or Josh Adokar as some receivers, just that pure speed, the ability yep. to change direction, react to a different stimulus from an agility standpoint. I think they would be um, amazing. Matt Burton, the way he can put up those torpies 
would just <laughs> cause nightmares. Uh, <laughs> I'd hate to be under one of those. So I think as a as a punter, he could be a fantastic option. Um, and then I guess maybe going a bit of left of field, but someone like uh, you know a Mitchell Stark as a QB or or someone that can really hike a ball down the field um, from that. And then I was thinking like your back rollers would be really good, you know, as your as your cornerbacks or or um, whatever it may be. And I think the the best back rower that I could think of obviously doesn't play anymore now, but Sonny Bill Williams, him over there would be would be pretty cool. Um, mm. I remember listening to a podcast a while ago and Willie Mason had a red hot crack over with the Jets, I think. Um, and they they wanted to take him, but he didn't do it in the end. So that would have been an interesting one as well. That was Big Willie. He was a front rower. I think yeah. they had him as a lineman, I think. Yeah, he'd be definitely a, a lineman, either offensive or defensive, I'm not sure. But yeah, being the, the size that he is. So that would have been an interesting experiment. That was back in, I think, the early 2000s. So he would have been one of the the very first to do that. So um, there is like there is plenty of talented athletes in Australia that would, would make it. It'd just be, yeah, seeing how they, they stack up. I think the, the biggest thing is understanding the tactical side of the game. You can be fast, you can be fit, you can do all those sorts of things. But if you don't know the rules, um, you're going to be in for a shocker, number one. But also then like the level, um, like Jesse speaks to it, the way that some of the players he played with, the amount of film study they would do around their playbook, their opponents that they're facing every single week. Um, it's just a different level of professionalism as well that I don't know whether a lot of Australian athletes have the ability to roll over there, you know, and, and compete at that level. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just the honest truth. Um, I think last it's time almost we... not ingrained in our sporting culture like that level of preparation and all that sort of stuff. Hey, it's, it's a level of obsession as well. I think yeah. that's what the, the best of them call it. I think Mish Moses last night. Um, I listened to his interview after the game. He had an absolute blinder and obviously got a spot in the Origin team off the back of it. But he was saying that um, he studied a lot of film around Pangai Junior and the way that he he chase over chases in some circumstances. Hence why he dropped Gutho under and he scored um, literally word for word what he said. So that level of commitment is, is almost like that's just what, what gets you. That's expected. Yeah. You know, the, the rest of it, you should be obsessed over the game um, to the level that it's almost a, a bad obsession. And that's, why, I guess, what they are. But look at the best to do it. And that's what they are. They were just genuinely obsessed with being the best they could be. And they like it seems like over in the states they are obsessed from like you know high school all the way through college and they're doing that they're watching film in high school they're watching film in college then like you know if they are making it to the pros obviously it's non-stop film but yes yeah, that obsession starts at such a young age hundred percent and you a kid that's been looking at film his whole life versus a specimen that rolls over they've both got their pros and cons but just the the level and you just can't match the hours of knowledge and and understanding that that kid has. Um, versus the the physical specimen because, yeah, as I said, it doesn't matter how fast, how fit, how powerful you are. If you don't know where you're meant to be, run the right route, block the right position, all that sort of stuff, you're not going to go very far. Um, And I think the – which would be really good, and I was reading uh, yesterday, uh, obviously, the the, uh, XFL, the Rock took over, yeah, XFL? Yep. They they had a loss again last year, but to be expected based on on what they're doing. But, you know, if they – prove to be genuine pathways for, for some Aussie athletes in particular. Um, could be really interesting. Same with the CFL. Um, we had a, an athlete over here in the off-season, uh, Ante, um, I can never say his last name, so I'm not going to say it, but he plays in the CFL. Um, so, you know, you've got these other leagues that probably don't have the eyes and the attention that, um, you know, obviously the NFL does, but that would be a really interesting thing to have that second division 
competition, you know, in mm-hmm. Australia. I think we're very lucky that regardless if you're 30 and you're having a crack and you're running around in C grade, you have the ability to do that versus the state state, they just don't. Yeah. You, know, you have the NFL, you have college, and then you don't have much underneath it. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, is, is, I guess, pros because you've only got the best to watch. Negative in the fact that if you want to go over there and you do want to build your way up as such, um, you don't have the ability to do that. Yeah, looking um, looking forward to the what are we twenty twenty eight LA Olympics. We have got five years. We start putting some plans in place now. What sort of athletes do you think maybe in their let's say early twenties might transition across to maybe take on this much touted NFL dream team that's going to be uh, probably uh, the, sorry the US dream team that's going to be uh, probably absolutely dominating the floor. Who, what sort of athletes are we looking at that we could probably put up a show against them? And do you have any in mind that may be training with AA already um, to take them on in flag? Maybe not, not Maybe not training here as such. But again, like, I think just the, the athletes that we mentioned, if flag, you're obviously going to take away a lot of the, well, you are going to take away majority of the uh, physicality side of it. So essentially you're looking at athletes that are bloody fast, bloody quick, <laughs> um, and can change direction on a dime. I think they're the, the three you're looking at. So looking at your outside backs in, in league and union um, would probably be your, your big ones. And then I don't know, what do you guys reckon from a quarterback standpoint? Who would you just hang your hat on as a the guy you want to be just ripping it down the field? <laughs> I, like, I like where you're going down before. We've got a lot of cricketers that have big arms that will be able to – it's just about seeing the field, I guess, because um, you have to still be playing flag. You still have to be pretty dynamic. So you can't be that – you know, enormous bloke that can't move. So, I don't know, maybe a, a 31-year-old that just sits at home on his podcast all day might be all right. It's <laughs> a run I'm around. Gonna go, I'm going to go left of field as a QB and maybe just throw in Josh Giddy. Um, oh, yeah. He's real, real left of field. He's tall. He does, so he does can, put him he down. Can uh, he can throw, He throws dimes around the court like they're going out of fashion. Um, you know, he's probably not the most athletic, but I think if you look at Tom Brady, he probably almost fits that that build. Um, I don't know, just a little bit of left of field there. In and that. He yeah. might transition better than a cricketer because like, he might see the play unfold in front of him you, a bit better always, than maybe what a cricketer might. Yeah, mm. well, you look at you know, you look at a, a Stark or something like that, it's very one-dimensional. It's straight up and down. Basketball is a more 360-degree game. Um, I guess football, you're looking at maybe a 180-degree sort of degree yeah. game. But if you do get in the open, then it becomes a 360 if you break the pocket. So... Um, that and then the other one I would like to see if he um, uh, could stay healthy or, or touch wood he does get healthy and can come back would be um, Pappenhausen. I think Paps would be unreal because he's got a touch football background, so he's obviously quick, agile. Um, yeah, I'd love to see Paps maybe as a deep slot or as a maybe a running back. Absolutely, I'm going to have to shoot off. Unfortunately. Yeah, these two boys are going to go do. Thanks for time, Jordy. No, love <laughs> it, lads. Love it. Just go, uh, catch some fires. <laughs> you're going to be stuck with me just to finish off anyway mate but uh thanks guys so, yeah we'll, we'll thank them Cheers, too, so they can go do life um <laughs> so we've spoken about the male side of things but we've also got a lot of females that are dominating in the in the athletic world over here are they are we thinking the same thing for them going over to the olympics yeah i think you can probably look maybe more towards your your AFL in this in this circumstance, which I know is a bit different to what we were sort of saying before with with more so, I guess, the rugby codes. Um, the AFL athletes are becoming absolute, you know, genuine athletes and genuine mm. um, uh, footballers. So I think they have a, a lot really of them are strong ability. Too. Like they've got to go from soccer 
to their playing AFL netball, like they're, they're really bringing that three sixty, like you said. Correct, and yeah, exactly. So you've got um, you know some of the the AFL players. Um, we recently had Brooke Walker, uh, who played for Parramatta Eels in the NRLW, but she also played for uh, I don't want to get it wrong, but a, a, a team in the AFLW. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that crossover there. I think the other one too we mentioned it before with Danny, but netballers could be a really good good one as well with their ability to stop start. Um, again, see the the court or the field in a 360-degree light. So a little bit more, I think, bandwidth in the amount of sports or codes you could pick from. Um, but I, I guess the underlying theme, right, is the same. You just want to see those physical qualities of being bloody quick, bloody um, agile, and the ability to read the game. And is this the kind of stuff that the testing that we're going to go through, you're going to be able to see, you know, in the future as well? Like what I'm trying to say, like, we'll, we'll test them now, but we'll see what they can get to, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think the the testing that we'll run through will obviously provide a bit of a baseline. Um, we'll provide some norms uh, also for ages, like we mentioned before, positions, which then we can use over the next couple of years as you know, data sets and data points, which A, we would hope to improve upon, um, but B, also, yeah, uses that historic data to say, okay, well, this is where, you know, athlete A was, in 2023 this is where athlete a is now in 2024 2025 2026 so you know you can see that step-by-step improvement or you may even see that athlete a has actually gone backwards you know mm. why might that be you know have they put on 10 kilos of muscle you know have they gone through a growth but all these sorts of things that you sort of got yeah. to take in consideration but again i think it provides a, a really good starting point for a lot of athletes um as a physical profile um, and then being able to refer back to that or or be able to yeah pass that on to respective um organizations whether that be club teams representative teams um colleges um, but also yeah again for them to understand you know potentially some of their their strengths and then also okay i maybe need to work on my change of direction my agility or whatever it may be as well yeah so i could you you're not necessarily you might be going backwards in a certain spot but it might not be because you're getting worse you know it might be because like you said you've put on a few more kgs and you you know you're a bit stronger in other areas now but um so looking longer term as well, just to, to finish off, before, I know you're a busy man. So uh, are we? How, how do we get that, that pool where, you know, that we want to be able to send, you know, younger kids, I don't know, it'd be hard for families, but if they want to do well in this thing, we've got to get them in there early. So how do we expand that pool to be able to, you know, have the kids over there early enough that, that we can make a genuine, you know, crack at these leagues? I think a couple of things. I think long-term what Wade is, is trying to set up and what will set up because I know how hard he works is that, um, I guess, that junior program. Um, you look at AFL, rugby league, soccer, netball, they all start at six, seven, eight years old. So there's that level of tactical skills and um, game, I guess, reading and ability that they learn so early on that if that starts to get implemented at that ages, um, you know, and that periodically starts to get a little bit lower. You know, it might start at 11s or 12s and then slowly work their way down. That's a really big thing to have because it's just, as we mentioned there before, it's just hours and hours of, mm. of practice and skill that they get at such an early age. Then I think B, um, it's just you you hear stories of kids that really, really want something or, or parents that, you know, want to help their kids get somewhere. It's just, I think it's showing these kids that there is different options out there. Not a lot of sports in Australia, especially, give you the ability to go and get a free education. Mm. And whilst that may not be the, as we mentioned before, the first thing that they think about, 
it's pretty cool yeah, the ability huge. to go and travel um live in a different country for an extended period of time these are all things that don't directly relate to you know i guess your training or your ability but long term what you get out of it um because if, if i knew that in when i was in grade you know 10 11 or 12 that rugby was an option to go and play at ucla which is one of their one of their main rugby schools at the moment i would have started playing rugby yeah there's no way i would have kept playing rugby league because i love the american culture i love the sporting side i would love to go and live there and experience that firsthand um and then also yeah like i mentioned travel around the states and be a part of a you know quote-unquote professional program or it can't be called professional program but a program that you know you get well looked after you get all these um resources you know provided for you and then essentially it's up to you with what you what you do with that as well yeah absolutely but like i don't think well wade you know speaking to him he's all about let's get him in there nice and early and then they can experience it and like you said they can come back at 22 23 like your mate did and uh they're They've experienced everything and they've got a wealth of knowledge that they can bring back. And just the exposure that we're able to bring with things like this combine is just going to help it grow as well. Massively. And the other thing too is, and I'll speak to rugby league again because that's where most of my knowledge lies, is that after under-20s, if you're not in a New South Wales or a Queensland Cup program, which, you know, at 20, what are you really getting out of that? Unless you're playing anyway or you're in an NRL system, you're kind of just sitting on the cusp um, you know, and you do have the ability to go and travel and play in Europe and things like that, but it'd be unreal to give an option or, or, or union. This is a genuine option for me to go play um, in America, as I said, get the degree, provide that your grades are right. Um, also, probably come back more physically prepared than you ever would have been in your life. Mm. And at 20, Two, twenty-three, twenty-four. 24 um have another crack or maybe you know that's where you you just go back to playing at a, at a you know a respectable level but you look at some of the nrl players now especially the skilled players cody walker is a fantastic example i don't think he made his debut till 26 um, yeah. please don't quote me on that if there is some fans out there that's got that completely wrong but it was don't worry they do they come we covered a lot so be but, prepared. Yeah, far, <laughs> far later than what what your typical you know um you know, uh, NRL debut is, you know, early 20s and things like that. So just because you are a little bit older, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a red hot crack. If you do take some time away to come back, um, it's probably going to look more favorable than disfavorable. I don't know what disfavorable is a word, but it is now. <laughs> we make it up. Um, you know what I mean? So it, it does just provide an alternative pathway that people may not be aware of that just needs that first couple of people to go through it. That first big name, as always, to go and, and do that before it probably becomes a little bit more of a normal or front of mind. And you pair that with the ability to start these kids out at an earlier age um, and you're setting yourself up for a pretty, I think, fruitful and uh, long-term organisation that's going to really thrive and succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, I, I can't thank you enough for giving up your time and, and coming and showing us a different side of what, one, the combines will be and, and two, what people can head down to actually you know, better themselves going forward. So I have written down here, I look forward to seeing you on the Melbourne League, but uh, make sure you pass that on to Adzi because uh, it is a shame. We were looking forward to catching up, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll cross paths at some point in the future. And I do remember you saying just before we got started that you're a basketball man. So before I let you go, are the Nuggets going to get the job done or the the Heat going to be able to come back? No, nah, I put up a story. Um, 
Jimmy Butler is is obviously a freak and carried the uh, heat through the the uh, conference finals. But no, nah, Nuggets in five. I don't know what the score is right now. It's it's happening right uh, now as we it speak. It is playing as we go, and we don't know the scores, so this will come back. Uh, but That'll I, be out just after we finish, and uh, yeah, we'll come bite you on the ass for Pretty confident Nuggets in five. Be great for them as a as a franchise to win their first chip. Obviously, um, Joker doesn't get the credit he deserves. He's an absolute freak. Um, yeah. But also Jimmy Butler carried the heat through um, the, the finals and what he put up was insane. In saying that, and basketball fans, please don't come at me as well. I thought it was pretty boring finals versus the 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 conference finals. I'm a big Lakers yeah. man, have been my whole life. So as soon as the Lakers went out, I was pretty much mentally and emotionally tapped out after that point. Um, yeah. But yeah. Mm, last minute rumors, Chris Paul coming to the Lakers. Thoughts? He got blocked. What in 2016 or, or whatever it was, yeah. 2014, when Kobe tried to bring him across? So I would take him because he's a genuine. He helps. He would take the ball out of LeBron's hands, which is which is a massive thing. Um, if we can keep Delangelo Russell, um, maybe potentially use Den- lose Dennis Stroder um, for Chris Paul, I'll take him. But keep D'Lo. He was my man. So when he came back to the Lakers, I was stoked. Um, so let's keep D'Lo. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, plenty of big wigs that will hear this over there, mate, so I'm sure it'll get across. But I <laughs> uh, appreciate your time, and uh, uh, I will we will catch up with you at some point in the future. No, I love it. Thanks, guys, and appreciate um, everything you guys are doing as well, um, especially for, I guess, football in Australia. When I say football, gridiron, obviously. Um, yeah. And you guys got good energy, so appreciate it. Nah, cheers, mate. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Legend. <laughs>